Okay, so thanks for joining us. We're having a roundtable today to discuss the new agreed removal policy that's come out by the Nursing and Midwifery Council. The aim of today is to ju just get some insight from members of NMC Watch on what we feel that our group will need from the agreed removal policy. Um, whether there's still any gaps in it that we feel, whether we feel it suffices and um, what people in our group would need if they wanted to remove themselves from the register during fitness to practice. Um, we're going to discuss the implications of voluntary removal in a wider scale and also how we as a group can maybe educate our members on these proposed changes and how they might be appropriate to that for them. a good place to start would be just to have a brief um, introduction from each of you as to why you feel voluntary or agreed removal is is important for somebody undergoing fitness to practice and I think I'll start with Pat Duan if that's okay. Hey good morning everybody um, yeah having looked at the document and have, having spent some time with Catherine at the meeting with the NMC uh, some weeks ago in theory, it's a great idea. In practice, it could become a very good idea and a very good tool to work with. It will probably hurry up the process for nurse, for registrants who are waiting to be seen or, or be dealt with by the NMC. It will help, help with their anxiety and also help them get on with their lives. Now, to me, there are three major pros, but there are also the cons. Public perception. Mm. And not all cases will lead to sanctions or removal. And a nurse may or a registrant may remove themselves and realise later in life that they shouldn't have because they wouldn't have had any sanctions or have been removed by the council anyway. Mm. Absolutely. And um, I think they're, they're the themes that we need to try and pick up on as we as we discuss further. So thanks for that, Pat. Um, Simon, are you have you got any opinion at the moment? Are you able to? I mean, um... My initial concerns would be around the fact that we still have a, to a certain extent, an adversarial fitness to practice process. So my concern is that it, it can be more an emotional thing rather than a practical thing. Yeah. That the decisions are made by the professional, the registrant, on the basis of a, a level of the mental health, mental well-being and the position that they find themselves in, rather than it being a objective, logical step. Mm. So, it, it, you know, I have a, I have that concern. I, you know, it, I have concerns because from my point of view, it can be part of a, it's an armory of tactics that can be employed and counter-employed. And it, you know, it needs to be done for the right reasons. Yes. It needs to be done because the, the person thinks, well, this is the best approach, this is the best reason. And so m m my concern would be that it's not properly. Yeah. Yeah. And I think and I think we see that quite a lot on the group, don't we? We see people initially yeah. saying, Oh, I just want to come yeah. off the register. And a lot of what we do is is counselling them almost to say, right, let's think long term rather than than short term. Um, because yeah. the, the when we had the meeting with the NMC, you know, it is very definitive. You know, once somebody does remove themselves, that is it. 
Um, there is yeah, no comeback from that. No, no. Yeah. The the part. So, yeah, I have concerns. Yeah. One of the parts, and we'll probably go in and out and not follow the agenda, but that's fine. <laughs> um, one of the parts that um, I picked up on and was a little bit concerned is they, they towards the end of, there was an article in the Nursing Times last week talking about the agreed removal policy. And it said that um, basically agreed removal is, is pretty much the same as strike off, which concerned me somewhat because that's not, not really what the perception we had when we had the discussions with them. It was more about a let's um, stop elongating this process. Let's m make sure that it's not reliant on people admitting charges. It is about looking at what the best outcome is for, for everybody whilst maintaining public confidence and safety. Also putting that person in the centre, really. I um, don't know whether anybody's got anything to say about that. Yeah, I wrong with that. I said never admit anything. Hmm. And... For the sake of allowing yourself to be removed from the register, I think it would be very, very futile to admit something that you were prepared to fight in the first place. Mm -hmm. And I totally agree. That's not the way I saw it, you know, but uh, I think we're very, very embryonic stages at the moment. Yes, I think, I think I that's think... it. And I think there's a lot of anxiety as well that this may yeah. be used by registrants to avoid pro avoid process which obviously is where the education part of it comes in to actually um, make sure people understand why this is an option and what it means. Um, but yeah, certainly it, it was not supposed to be dependent on agreeing on agreeing the uh, charges. And I think as well, the issue about how the charges are on perhaps day one, the ch as we know, the charges can change throughout the trajectory of someone's hearing. And what somebody may be charged with at the beginning may well change quite a lot throughout the period of investigation. Um, yeah, the, what I was going to say was in my case, um, and I'm quite open about it, um, it wasn't my thought at the very beginning of the process of the fitness to practice. As time went on and it became quite obvious that no matter what I did, said or proved, I wasn't going to get anywhere. I just said I would just prefer to resign off the register. And that I try, I attempted that three times. And all they wanted me to do was admit to the charges and then I could come off the register. Back then, I don't know if it's still the same. You could go back on after five years or you could apply to go back on after five years. But it became so acrimonious and I just felt that no matter what I did or said, I was going to be put up there as a scapegoat, as in my words and, and, and a lot of other people's words, because I read the comments about my case um, from the general public and most people's opinions were that I was a scapegoat. And, and the NMC, as far as I was concerned, was part of that um, scapegoating because of who um, the person was that I was accused of all these things. Um, but I feel that it is, I think it's, it's only fair to allow the registrant an option where they could resign from the register and come to an agreement, um, whether they are going to reapply or they don't want to reapply, or they just want to just forget about nursing completely, because that's what I've done. They, sh I, I was struck off 
and as far as I was concerned that was the end of it I was just totally devastated that my years of nursing had gone down the tube just because of vexatious you know, uh, complaints and all the other things that were said about me which weren't true and I couldn't I couldn't reply to and um, I just feel that a lot of nurses would prefer to re resign from the register it gives them time to take a breath and look at things it gives you five years to within a time that you could get back on the register you can actually look at your case yourself properly because I think the process does take a very long time you never know what the NMC are doing they keep you waiting for years on end and you never know what they're really doing until you get lumps of paper through the post and then you've got to find someone who can screen through all of that and then make a decision yourself um, you can end up with a huge legal bill like myself and still not get anywhere um, and it's with the group like um, your group the NMC watch group where people understand exactly what nursing is all about what's required what's the professional code of conduct and with people like Simon who who's um who understands the process and you Catherine understanding the process then you can do something about it and the NMC need to work with you um to to achieve that I just feel and that's going by what I've seen what I've heard what other nurses have gone to and myself experience it that the NMC they say they're there to protect the public but we pay them a fee every year and why do we pay them a fee aren't they there to protect us as well and look take care of us where's their duty of care as far as I'm concerned and saying that yes okay you can resign from the register but they've got all these little attachments attached to why you should re you know why you can resign from the register and i don't think it should be like that at all i'm totally in disagreement with them because of the way that they are sorry no no that's that's you know it's it's really valid what you're saying and it's you know and that is the crux of it isn't it and it's how do yeah. we how do we make sure it's an inf you know talk about informed choice with our patients all the time a truly informed choice so how yeah. can we make sure that people undergoing fitness practice who are vulnerable already and suffering from you know second victim all all those sort of aspects um how do we make sure that it's truly an informed choice so i guess for me it's about i th i personally feel this is a great first step but it's got a long way okay. to go. Do you know what I mean? And it's and yes. it's and it's um, it's what what we've spoken to them about for the last five, six years um, since NMC Watch started. It's about that mediation, and having those conversations together. And Simon and I have talked about that as well with them. You know, why can't we have a neutral standpoint rather than a adversarial standpoint? Why can't it be? the two parties in the room saying, right, this is the problem. This is what we see you accused of. Have an, in, in, not informal discussion, because I understand that can't happen, but but to actually look at, right, what are we trying to achieve here? What are we trying to do? Where are we trying to get to? And particularly, I mean, I've been, been got in touch with another lady who's had 42 years in the NHS. She was three weeks from retirement and um she raised concerns 
and she's now had a NMC referral. She she's got no intention. She was literally about to retire, and when she was going to retire, she was her her um pin was due to lapse within I think another month. So she was going to let it lapse and then she was going to come off process, you know, come off the register. But now she's faced with an elongated um, potential investigation, which, again, you know, her pride is saying to her, I'm not going to leave on this sour note. You know, I'm going to show them that this is not accurate. But the impact of that is massive. Um, so it's about that situation, having somebody neutral to yeah. say, right, come on. What are we doing here? Why are we doing this? I don't know whether Pat or Simon have got anything more to add to that point, really, because that's certainly I'm seeing. I mean, I've had three people contact me about removal this week, and that seems to be the theme. I've got no intention, absolutely no intention, even if there was another pandemic, even if there was something. I do not want to nurse again. I just want to have the um, the choice myself to make that decision. Simon, it's it's Mavi is is is, exactly, is is the same. I I agree. The worry is that it's it's done tactically because of a person's mental health, and that they are going to want to come back and they are going to regret it, and they'll have that feeling. Now I'm free and I had a chance to think about it, which I'd argued, and it's because the system's adversarial. And there are no checks and balances, no equality on the other side. If, I, if we say, right, we want to be removed, they say you have to accept all the the, the charges and we will we will consider it. We don't. I don't feel that the registrant gets an equal part in any investigation, any, any consideration. Although now with the with, with, with the agreed removal policy, they are saying that you don't have to agree to all the charges. That is a change in the in the new policy. And what are they saying that you have to agree to? They they're not. They're saying you don't have to agree to the charges, but they will only consider it for for the least serious concerns. So they won't consider it right. for anything which would normally like the the wording is that would would be expected to reach a strike off order. So for example, sexual misconducts, uh, ser serious allegations of dishonesty. Now my kind of argument right. is. But that's about drafting of charges as well. They are just charges at the beginning. They're not um they're not proven at the beginning. So how do they assess the seriousness of those charges when they haven't actually tested them? Yeah, well that's them assuming that they're right, you know. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So so it's actual fact is defeating the object really. This is really. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So is this about um, advocacy, really, and about representation that you've got, you know, a large portion? Well, I, I don't know that I don't know the statistic. I don't know how many people come to fitness practice without representation. But obviously those that come to us haven't because that's why they come to, come to us, some of them. Um, so is it about equity, equ equitability? Is that the word um, of getting the right advice? You know, how does somebody who's not got support actually make that right decision over what to do yeah, next? You'd want to, want, to, want to offer them the opportunity to take legal advice that's paid for before they've taken them. The thing is about legal advice, I mean, 
um, I'm not just going by my case, by I'm going by somebody else I know. Um, a lot of lawyers don't understand the way the NMC work. This is why your group, Catherine, is, is really good because you know exactly where to point people. The other thing is the, the, the cost of it. I, I tried to get myself a barrister and he wanted £1,200 up front before he even turned a page. And where do you get £1,200 out of where to get someone who can, who can see through what's going on, but they won't do it unless you pay them first. And a lot of, of nurses, as far as I know, don't have £1,200 just to pop out straight away out of their pockets. So I lost out on a really good barrister. My lawyer didn't have any experience with the NMC before, so he was dealing with it as it was a criminal case, and it doesn't work that way, <laughs> as I found out. Yeah, so, you know, after three years, you end up with a huge bill, and it's just devastating because you try to, you try to work with people, and then you realize that it's, it's a never-ending, barrel you, you know you need a, a wheelbarrow full of money to keep paying you know lawyers and people and barristers to, to represent you so you're damned if you do and damned if you don't as, as far as that you know as far as that's concerned and a lot of nurses don't have that sort of money to defend themselves they don't have you know they don't have that and and legal aid is non-existent now so you can't get that either so yeah so it's really difficult. It's really difficult. So I think that's why the option for for resigning from the register should be the registrant's one, unless there's a criminal case involved in your nursing, you, you know, your behaviour or why you've been brought up in front of the NMC. I think if there's a criminal case, that's different because when they get criminal representation, they usually get quite good representation for criminal cases. Um, and I, I, if, I don't know if I'm correct in believing that criminal cases still are allowed to have legal aid, are they? I don't know if they are, but they must do because there's so many people who've been put on trial. They must have legal aid to help them get through it, you know, so. The difference is, is, you know, anybody faced with criminal proceedings will, will have representation. You know, they'll, they'll be given representation. Whereas with regulation, yes. that isn't, you know, you're, it's expected that you're a member yeah. of a union. And if you're not a member of the union, which increasingly we're seeing more and more people not be a member of a union um, for whatever reason that is. Um, and then they're finding themselves, yeah, they either have to face it on their own or they have to find some members of the family or somebody that can help them pay for private private legal support. So, yes. Pat, Pat yeah. Duan, you, you sounded like you were going to come in there. I just can I backtrack a little bit to the lady that you were talking about who was just about to retire after 42 years experience working in the NHS. I can go back about 20 years ago. I was representing a senior night nurse who was accused of uh, physically assaulting a patient. Uh, this patient was the father of the local, the editor of the local press, the Swansea uh, Evening Post which I used in when defending this guy. But that said, the investigating officer was a tyrant, wouldn't listen, wouldn't take any advice, and we lost the case. Uh, Andy was dismissed. 
you get 28 days to um, appeal. Now, in the 28-day appeal, Andy would have been retiring and finishing his long, checkered, uncheckered career in the NHS. So I spoke to my then chief executive, which is a chap called Colin Campbell, and my director of nursing was Liz, 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 I forget Liz, Liz's surname. Anyway, I went to them, I said, look, this guy has been dismissed. The appeal is going to take too long to get everything sorted out for him to come back and see you. I said, he's going to retire, he's going to re he's leaving nursing, gets out of it. So what they did, and I always say my employer was a reasonable employer, they brought forward the appeal date. Mm -hmm. And at the appeal, they didn't allow me win the appeal, but they allowed Andy resign. And then he would leave nursing and the NMC never knew about the assault case. It hadn't been reported to him because okay. there was no need to. He, he was getting out of nursing. And I think it's a shame on the people or the, if it be at a private company or an NHS um, uh, area that this lady worked in, that they didn't allow her the same thing to resign. I no longer go to work again. I'm coming off the register in a matter of days. And that's not the easy way out. I think that's the best way out. And it's, you know, I suppose it's good for the individual as well. It's good for their well-being. Mm -hmm. But I suppose not everybody thinks along those lines. And I think there's the symptom of it all is that, you know, often there's a lot of background behind a referral and yeah. quite quite often we're seeing that it's the employers that are referring for other reason. Now, the NMC are pushing back on that and they are insisting and, and with the employer link service, um, trying to ensure that um, the employers deal with things themselves first rather than, and then only continue with the referral if there's yeah. ongoing yeah. concern. But the reality is, is that you know, if an employer is good and follows good process and is supporting their staff, it's probably yeah. unlikely that they're going to refer <laughs> unless there's, you know, yeah. criminal yeah. activity. Yeah. Um, so it's a bit of a catch-22, really. And whilst, you know, I really I really um, applaud the work that the NMC are doing with the Employer Link Service, I think it's not necessarily um, addressing the issues around whistleblowers, people raising concerns, vexatious referrals. Um but yeah, that's and again, how do you unpick that when they're basing whether you can do agreed removal uh, based on the level of how um, severe the the allegations are? So it's 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 going to be interesting to watch, I think. Yeah. About um, you know our group, you know how how do we start um, educating them about you know agreed removal and what what that means and um, how to make that decision themselves? Really, would be my question to the three of you. I think I'd go first that there's probably a lot of creases that need to be ironed out. I think it'll probably mean us sitting down with the NMC again or any other interested bodies, be it the, be it the unions mm. uh, and other professional bodies, because they're going to, it's going to affect them as well and the way they actually look after their members. I suppose, again, round table, or we'll all get into a room somewhere and sit down and say, look, these are the creases. Let's earn them all out before you actually go to print and say, this is the final document. Yeah, I think that'd be really useful. Really, I mean, it's you know, as as ever, it has gone out now. That is, but uh, I would hope that it was under constant review as well, and we can feed back to that. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, what I was going to ask ask Catherine because 
because because we focus on the NHS because I know the private sector in which I was working at at the time it's so it's such a separate group isn't it it's it's, it's even though I whistleblowed as well um, and then that was they they actually let the family know that I'd whistleblowed so that's where the acrimony started I think you know back then but the, the the thing is the NHS is a huge is a huge um I would say a huge client isn't it so you you would the private sector I don't know how you would deal with the private sector as well as the NHS and then midwifery is a separate thing that they they're all got they've all got their own sort of um special um niches really haven't they because i don't think that the uh i mean yeah we we all feel that we're being victimized but how do you deal with the separate sectors of of of, of health care you know could be because like i said most of it's nhs isn't it most of it's nhs i guess i guess the nmc will say that the process is the same regardless of where the person is working whether it's nhs private um, or other independents or midwifery or anything like that. They'll say the fitness to practice and the investigation process is the same. Um, my kickback to that would be the circumstances to which that person's come to the to the NMC can be quite unique and can sometimes be impacted by the workplace, you know, where they've been working, you know, particularly when yeah. we think about, you know, loan employees, you know, in nursing homes, for example, um, you know, where it's one yeah. single nurse, um, you know, that, that brings up a yeah. whole heap of issues. But then that, I guess, to counteract that would be where the NMC's work on context now comes in. You know, registrants can give that context in as part of their part of their case um, to explain right. what went on behind. So um, so I guess for us, it's about us trying to remind people about giving that context and and explaining that context and what what else went on um but ultimately the assessment of it is the same the risk assessment is is done the same way regardless and it's based on allegations unfortunately yeah and then also are there people in the nmc that sit at these hearings who have any clue of that sort of uh the context of where that person works because I feel that when I had my one and only hearing that I did attend, the registrant that was there at, on, uh, at the hearing who, who was the medical representative was a midwife. So I couldn't see how she could relate to my work. And I questioned it. And I don't think that went down very well because I questioned it. And then all the other people at the hearing, as far as I know, I, I mean, I don't know them at all as people, but I don't think that they could understand the context of the work that I did. Um, and I feel that they they need to make sure that whoever's on that, at that hearing totally understands the job of the registrant. And I felt that they, I don't, I felt that they don't do that. So, I mean, I don't know why they pluck this midwife out. I have nothing against her. She seemed really nice, but she wouldn't understand my job. And I could understand her job more because I know what midwifery is all about. 
but she wouldn't understand my job if she's never done that. Was so, there a was there a registrant? Was there a nursing um a member of the panel as well? No, it was just so a midwifery. Yes. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Okay. But not like that's that's why I say you know not knowing what you're yeah. supposed to have or how you're supposed to be represented. I I was totally oblivious to that. So I thought, oh well, you know, she's a she's a nurse, she's a midwife, but. Then think, you know, as time's gone on being with you, I can see the flaws and the, the things that went wrong. Yes. Yeah, yeah. So at the time, yeah, you're maybe... not, at the time, you don't know any better, basically. So, yes. yeah, yeah. I feel that a lot of nurses, if it's their first time, they don't have a clue. Yeah. Who's supposed yeah. to be sitting there, what's supposed to be happening. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, this is why your group is, is a godsend, to be honest, you know yeah yeah so i will say that <laughs> i'm still here <laughs> um pat obviously pat one you've obviously sat on panels and chaired panels so would you have anything to come back yeah. on that yeah I'm, I'm very surprised to hear what uh, trish is saying because when i sat on panels for argument's sake it was a registrant who had misbehaved allegedly in the, a nursing home one of the panel members we were for argument if i was the chair for a registrant I'd have a registrant with me also, but we would also have a lay person who would probably be a care home owner who would be able to advise us on what actually happened in care homes. Mm. And I, they were a very, very valuable asset to the panel members. Yeah. Okay, some of us on the panels, um, I did some work in private nursing homes to get extra cash when I was going away on long haul rugby tours. It was great, you know, it's ideal. And I had an idea what was actually happening in the, the private sector. But mm. to have a care home owner on the panel with me was a godsend. Yeah. Because yeah. the advice they gave us was invaluable. Yeah. And I think that's again where, um, like, come back on the point that Simon made, um, you, you know, for, for the registrant to not be on the back foot, you know, it is okay to actually ask or find out. Um, who your panel members are and, you know, what their experience is, et cetera, and where, you know, but there's this fear, you know, there's a real fear of challenging anything because we might upset the panel and we don't want to appear yeah. rude in front of the panel or disrespectful or we don't want it to go against us. Whereas actually this is, um, you know, why isn't that information readily available pre-hearing? Okay, this is your panel member, this is your chair, this is your lay person. Um, they're an RGM mental health nurse or they're, you know, why, why is it so secret, really? Um, I guess the NMC would probably say, well, it's, it's not relevant. They're on the same level of the register to you and they're assessing the case based on the legislation and the code of conduct, etc. Um, but again, it's that communication, isn't it? And it's that working with rather than against. I don't, Simon, whether you've got anything to add to that. I agree. I mean, the, the problem, of course, is that with all of these things, a judge is a judge. And so they've got to, you know, whether they're a nurse or midwife or whatever, they've got training. But, you know, we've got to be careful we're not shooting the, yes. the messenger or starting out trying to criticise the people in the system and make them to blame. Yeah, of course, you need um, an experienced panel. And I do think that the panel could, could be... Panel training could be more um, clear, and we we could know that. But obviously, you've got as as we say, members of the public 
are on the panel. So you do have a, a you know, like a non-specialist member and they should be capable of making the decision. But it, I think my concern is we're looking at very limited situation where if the allegations are, are slight and they're not serious, then voluntary removals are okay. Does the panel, can the panel risk assess? Who knows? Because the three lines that you get in a judgment about the risk assessment never tells you what their risk assessment is anyway. I think probably as important would be to have them to not standardize, but at least put some points out as to what their so-called risk assessment on the level of seriousness of allegations is. Because mm. I never know what it is that they take into account either interim or final hearing. So I think we're almost been, it's, it's been turned into a very minimal thing. And by doing that, it kind of gets rid of the idea of anybody can just say, look, okay, I don't care what you say, I'm going to voluntarily remove myself and they're going to have to allow you to. Mm. I mean, from a, from a human rights point of view, I do wonder whether it's anybody's right to join or unjoin themselves from any any group or society. So why can't people just say, look, I'm no longer part of this system? One one comment that I get back from another group that I, I share what's going on um, with our cohort is the Learn Not Blame group, which uh, represents doctors going through similar processes. And the argument there that they said is, you know, why don't the nurses just lapse? Why do they not just stop paying their membership and just step away? Um, why is there this need to, you know, control control your pin, if you like, and control the narrative? I don't know whether anybody's got anything to say about that. You know, why why don't we want to just walk away? I I, I actually refuse to pay my pin, my, my uh, registration fees after they suspended me. I said, I'm not paying it anymore. So I said, okay. you can you can do what you like, because oh, I, I was so frustrated. I thought, why am I paying them to have me in front of them? And they're not even paying attention to what I'm saying. So um, so I refused to pay my pin. And but I was still I was still there, even though I didn't pay it. it you know, they didn't take let me take myself off the register. So I, I don't know whether paying the registration registration fee in in during this fitness to practice is 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 greatly important is i suppose it's the control of you not being allowed to resign from the register more than anything else yeah so i wasn't allowed to and i just feel that um people can i suppose yeah you should be allowed to just go in and out if you don't want to be on it it's, it's your human like you say it's human rights it's your right to not want to you know i don't know if the doctors have to do the same as we do you know whether they are allowed to resign from the register or not it's it's still no, it's the same not. it's across all the all the regulators is the same i think yeah oh okay 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 yeah what trish just said about not paying the fees i think that, i think that's great it's the first i've heard of it you know I, I think that's a great idea but having said that registrants would be too uh, many registrants would be too scared to make that decision mm. for fear of upsetting the yeah. NMC. And of course, then if your case took two, three, four years and you didn't get removed, then you got to back pay that money. Oh, I don't know. 
about that. I mean, I think what they, what's changed, what's changed as well, I think since maybe since Trisha's case is, is that you can't, yeah. um, <laughs> you can't revalidate whilst under investigation. So, um, if you like, you go into, um, neutral if you like until the investigation's finished and then if you've if you still retained your pin you then apply to um re-restore restore your pin if you like um and revalidate oh. then so you can't revalidate whilst it's whilst it's going through so that's probably the difference now okay so i guess what we're saying what sounds to me what we're saying is we want more information from the nmc about agreed removal more kind of guidance about what how, what their assessment is and how, what that assessment looks like, um, the risk assessment associated with that, um, and the piece around how to support people in making the right decision for them, recognising that it is, you know, often a men mental health impact, PTSD impact issue as well, and how you unpick that. So I guess that's our next piece of work. <laughs> so I think yes, that's I, I agree. <laughs> yeah. It's it's, uh, it's, it's 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 a it's a lot to actually it it's, it seems like a simple thing but it is quite complicated, isn't it? I think it's when you when you're talking about your registration particularly for people who have nursed for a very long period of time you know who have been in it for 20 25 years plus you know it's your identity we say this all the time don't we but it's your identity it's about how others perceive you it's about um how you recognize yourself in the world all those sorts of things which you know to to some in the profession now may seem a bit odd but that's that's just how it is you know that's how how yes. how we perceive ourselves so when you're dealing with how people think about their identity um there's so many more things that come into it than whether it's a tick box whether you've achieved this or you've achieved that it's 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 about having that that interaction with that person which sadly i think at the moment is missing but we're hoping to to resolve um, at the end of the day the fitness to practice has to be quite a blunt tool because it's got to cover so many um so many different aspects and um you know it's not an easy job at all to uh to determine somebody's fitness to practice to unpick everything that's involved with it um yeah yes one question with the the um with the strike strike business that's going on how would the nmc look at that because does that affect the the professional um conduct 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 no put a statement out didn't they alongside the strikes recently oh did they yeah um pat Dwan was gonna say something there i think yeah there was something came out there a few weeks back uh at the start of the first uh strikes where it uh, was made quite clear that it didn't impact on your professional uh, professional conduct there would be no um disciplinary action taken against you by the nmc should you choose to go on strike? Right. Okay. As long as you behave professionally throughout and haven't, you know, yeah. haven't, um, yeah. you know, as long as you behaved as professionally as you would, you know, in any workplace or any, you know, out in the community or whatever, um, you know, as long as you've uh, s struck um, professionally, if you like. Yeah. Okay. Maintain your boundaries, etc. <laughs> 
Um, okay, well, that's really helpful. So thank you so much. Um, I think there's a lot of messages there that we can take back when we have our next meeting with the NMC as well. And um, also we can just start thinking about how we talk to, our, you know, our group, our support group um, about people that are considering uh, removing them from the register. I think there's a lot of education there to be done on um, the impact of it and, uh, you know, how you actually get to that right decision for you at the right time. So, okay. Thank you so much. Thank you.